Blog Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Deliverance is next. Parental discretion is advised. Live worldwide. Deliverance with your host, Jay Bartlett. For the next half hour, Jay will be exploring the unknown, the strange, the supernatural. Ready or not, you're about to experience deliverance. that many Christians refer to as hell. Now, that statement may be seen as being outrageous and perhaps blasphemous to some, but the scriptures, the sacred scriptures, tell us he is there. He is there even now. As you listen to this presentation, as you listen to this broadcast, the Holy Trinity is in hell. There's little on the subject of hell. Much has been written on many of the themes found in Scripture. But hell seems to be ignored, especially as it pertains to God being present in hell. My friends, nobody likes to talk of hell. I don't like talking about hell. But hell is a reality. And people are entering hell at this very moment. Precious souls whom Christ died for are entering hell. A eternity in hell. An eternity in hell. At this very moment, right now, souls are entering eternity. It's an unpopular subject. I realize this. It's not something you're going to hear in most churches, unfortunately. It's something you're not going to hear on most religious broadcasts. But I'm here to tell you there is a hell, and God is present in hell. God is omnipresent. He's not Uh, somehow uh, forbidden from hell. He is the one who created hell. He is present with his creation. He holds it together. Colossians 1 is very clear on this. The fact is, he is there. It's God's hell. And tonight we're going to discuss the subject of hell on tonight's edition of Deliverance. I'm Jay Barton. I'll be here for the next half hour exploring the unknown, the strange, and the supernatural. Ready or not, you're about to experience deliverance. What's up? This is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak. It's 2nd century Rome. Justin Martyr is a respected pagan philosopher. But seeing Christians willingly die for their faith consumes him with curiosity. So he reads the scriptures and converts. He even opens a school of Christian philosophy in Rome. 
As his last act, Justin offers his martyrdom as a witness for Christ, saying, For though we are beheaded and crucified, we do not forsake the confession of our faith. But the more things of this kind which happen to us, the more are there others who become believers through the name of Jesus. For more on the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with the Challenge for Jesus Freaks from the Voice of the Martyrs. The Bible tells how Jesus suffered on his way to the cross. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Another passage describes the scene on Calvary. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. These vivid accounts of Jesus' death are not from the New Testament. They're from Isaiah, written prophetically more than 600 years before Christ was born. For more from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate, trying to count up how many times that Paul, one of the greatest Jesus freaks ever, escaped death. Several times, angry mobs tried to stone him. Once, he was even left for dead. Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake, robbed, thrown in jail a bunch of times, shipwrecked three times, and spent a whole night adrift at sea. He survived floods, starvation, and five separate whippings. Paul wasn't afraid to die. He even wrote, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But God had bigger plans. God used Paul to reach the Gentiles, encourage and challenge churches, write much of the New Testament, and be an example to you and I of how to trust and obey God's plan, no matter what. Will you stand with the Voice of the Martyrs? Go online to persecution.com. has been written on many of the themes found in Scripture, but hell seems to be ignored. Why is that? Especially as it pertains to God being present in hell. Why is that? Nobody likes to talk of hell. But yet, at this very moment, at this very second, people are entering eternity in hell. It's an unpopular subject. People would rather not listen. They don't want to think about hell. They'd rather think of the here and now, not about something that's going to happen in the future, but it could happen to you at this very moment. The scripture tells us why we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Our life is like a little bit, still pure for the one, and vanish, it's gone. One moment you're here, one moment you're in eternity. And when you enter eternity, it's going to be either one, one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. I want you to be in heaven. With the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves and cares deeply for you. 
Now, there's much I want to talk about on this subject of hell, but before I do so, I, in my hands, here in the studios, I have a book that I wrote sometime, back, I, don't know, I think it was sometime last year, perhaps. It's, it's titled Demon Encounters, Defeating Devils in the Name of Jesus. It's a rather s- small volume. Uh, I would like to get this book into your hands, and uh, it's free. This book is free, available as uh, supplies last. If you're interested in getting a a copy of this book titled Demon Encounters, Defeating Devils in the Name of Jesus, simply email me tonight at j at jbartlett.org, j-a-y at jbartlett.org. In this book, Demon Encounters, Defeating Devils in the Name of Jesus, I take a number of encounters I've had over the years with demons, and I share my personal encounters and experiences with the demonic and how to overcome the powers of the demonic with the name of Jesus. For only in the name of Jesus can you defeat demons and exorcism. As many of you know, I've participated and performed more than 8,000, perhaps more than that, 8,000 to 10,000 exorcisms through almost 25 years of global ministry. And I've seen the power of Jesus Christ over the devil. And I know Jesus is Lord. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father in heaven. That's why I wrote this book. Demon Encounters, Defeating Devils in the Name of Jesus is a must. For I believe this book will equip you, it will encourage you, it will edify And it will enlighten you to the reality of the demonic and the reality of the overcoming power of Jesus Christ over the demonic. So I would encourage you, if you're interested in in learning more about spiritual warfare and and wanting to be encouraged in your faith with with, uh, some great stories on, on the power of Jesus Christ overcoming the demons, I would encourage you to get a hold of this book even now. That's jay at jbartlett.org. And simply send me your mailing address, and I'll get Demon Counters, Defeating Devils, in the name of Jesus, to you as soon as possible. In fact, I just had a, I just sent out a shipment just a, uh, I think it was yesterday or a few days ago, uh, a number of people throughout the, throughout the world in, uh, requested this book, and, uh, and the, the book has been shipped out. And if you're interested, please get a hold of me. Today and uh, be my honor, my privilege to get your copy to you. Well, the subject of hell is is uh, is a controversial one, and I recognize that it's been said that the thought of people burning in hell for eternity is the most repugnant to the human mind. Yet it's clear, my friends, the scriptures warn us of this dreadful, 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 eerie place where God is present. And we must warn others before they enter God's hell. That's why this broadcast, that's why this live presentation, I want to warn you, my friend. And I call you my friend, for you are my friend. You're a creation of God. Perhaps you're listening to this broadcast for the very first time, and you're wondering, what the heck is this guy talking about? About that subject of hell. Perhaps you're laughing, mocking. The fact is, the Bible speaks of hell And souls are entering hell at this very hour. I do not want you to go to hell. 
And the scripture warns us of this dreadful place where God is present at. And we must warn others, and I'm warning you, lest you enter God's hell. Now, in this presentation, we're going to explore the subject of hell. And I'm hoping, it's my prayer, shed some light to the truth of God being present in this dark realm. Now, allow me to warn you of God's hell, lest you enter the most, this most terrifying place that's ever been created. The Holy Trinity created hell. It wasn't Satan that created hell. It wasn't any of his demons that created hell. No man created hell. It's not a, a, a some kind of mystical imagination of some some guru. No, hell is real. The Apostle Paul writes of this truth. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. Not only was hell created by God, it is also for his divine use. All things were created through him and for him. Hell has been created by the Father, by the Son, by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Trinity, the one God in three persons. It's also for his divine use. You may be wondering, what's his divine use of hell? God created hell sometime after the fall of Satan and his unholy angels. For the Lord Jesus speaks of hell as prepared for the devil and his angels. So it seems to me that that hell was created sometime after the fall of Satan, for that was the divine use of hell. For Jesus speaks of hell as prepared for the devil and his angels in Matthew chapter 25. Hell was created for evil spirit beings. Hell was never created for humans, yet humans enter hell by the second. By the second. For they choose to be there. Which we're going to discuss here in a moment. That's right. People choose to enter hell. My friends, on that final day of human history, everyone who has ever lived and died will be resurrected and judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us that then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face, whose face, the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Was cast into the lake of fire. The scriptures tells us who the occupants uh, are in hell. You may wonder, who dwells in hell? 
when we find out that it's anyone whose name has not been written in the book of life. And all who reject the call to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus will be in hell. Will your name be written in the book of life? Do you know for sure if your name's going to be written in that book of life? We know the Antichrist will be there. Scripture's clear. That's one of the occupants of hell. The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, demons. Now, before the last judgment, as seen in the book of Revelation 20, the souls of those who died without Christ suffer in eternal hell without their physical bodies. Their physical bodies are rotting in the earth, though their souls are in torment and hell. For the scripture tells us, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return immediately. Before the final judgment, both soul and body are reunited during the resurrection of the dead, as Scripture teaches. Do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and to those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And upon entering God's hell, you will find yourself in the presence of the devil. That is, after, obviously, Revelation chapter 20. While you're in hell, you will be in the presence of the devil. Demons, the Antichrist, the false prophet. Those who have hated God and God himself. Yes, God will be present in hell. Now, he's not going to be present in his love, his redemptive love, his redemptive peace, his redemptive joy. No, because you have made that decision to reject his redemptive love. You have chosen to reject his redemptive peace. You have chosen to reject his redemptive joy, so there is no joy in hell. There is no love in hell. There is no peace in hell. Holy God will be present in his wrath in hell. There will be wrath. There will be judgment and anger towards sinners who have blasphemed his holy name. And my friends, that's the worst aspect of hell. And that's because God will be present in his wrath. Scripture tells us, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. The Holy Scripture tells us, for by him, that's right, for by him, and this is clearly taught in the, in the book of Colossians, for by him all things were created, and things in heaven and on, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God created hell. It is his. Not only did he, my friends, not only did the Holy Trinity create it, he holds, also holds it together. Surely he is present with his creation as he sustains it. He holds it together. Since he holds it together, he is present. He sustains it. And Scripture also tells us that God is omnipresent, that God is present in hell. 
The sacred scriptures clearly tell us who God is. God is present in hell. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? David asks, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. You are there. There's much more I want to talk about that I want to discuss on this presentation about the subject of hell that I will here in a moment. So do stand by. I'll be back after this brief intermission. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with another story of a Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. The Voice of the Martyrs is still sorting out an unsettling turn of events in Indonesia involving a 58-year-old Christian man who was convicted of blaspheming Islam. When Antonius Bawengen received the maximum five years in prison for distributing literature that allegedly spread hatred of Islam, the sentence was protested by more than a thousand people. But the protesters were not demanding a more lenient sentence. They wanted Antonius to be killed. To punctuate their demands, the mob attacked police with stones and set two churches on fire. For specific ways to support and pray for Christians in Indonesia, go online to persecution.com. concerned for obvious reasons, hence the subject tonight, this topic, God's hell. I do not want you to go to hell. God does not want you to go. He's not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So it's my hope, it's my prayer that this presentation, that this broadcast will touch your heart and that you would consider that which is rarely considered. And more on that, on the rarely considered, here in a moment. In my hands, here in the studio tonight, I have a book that I wrote some time back titled Demon Encounters, Defeating Devils in the Name of Jesus. It's a popular small volume that I've published that uh, many people have enjoyed reading the stories, the experiences, the encounters, the confrontations I've had with the powers of darkness, and how Jesus overcame the devil in each and every instance. For, for let's remember, Jesus is Lord, 
and Jesus has defeated the powers of darkness forevermore. And I would like to encourage you in the faith. I would like to encourage your faith. I like to build up your faith, edify you. I like to send you a free book. You know, oftentimes on religious broadcast and religious television, they're always offering something for a price. You'll find on this broadcast, we do something very entirely different. I offer things for free. I believe in blessing people, getting the gospel forth. And this is the gospel. For one-third of Jesus' ministry is about deliverance. And I try to have the same balance as my master, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm about preaching the gospel, casting out demons, and healing the sick. In the footsteps of Jesus. So, hence this booklet on the subject of casting demons out. Defeating devils in the name of Jesus. That's what this book is about. Defeating devils in the name of Jesus. So, if you're interested, simply email me tonight, j at jbartlett.org. I'll probably offer this book the next few broadcasts. Uh, if you're interested, just simply email me your mailing address and just say, I'm interested, in Jay, in that Demon Encounters book that you've been speaking on, speaking about on the broadcast, and I'll send it to you as soon as possible. And the best part of this book, it's free. Now, back to the rarely considered, and that is, no words can possibly describe what truly occurs when a soul enters God's hell, and it's rarely considered. And that's a fact. It's rarely considered. It's rarely thought of, if you think about it. Nobody thinks about what truly occurs when a soul enters God's hell. Now, I'm going to attempt, and I will attempt, though, to describe as best as I can in light of Scripture of what hell will be like. In hell, you will find yourself being tormented with fire. Fire, my friends. I think all of us have been burned in one instance or another. Even as little children, we have put our finger on a stove and or some some hot object or item and and, and uh we, we, we know what it's like to be burned in some minor fashion. Now could you imagine being tormented with fire forever and ever and ever, your whole total being? Think about it. That's what's gonna be that's what the hell's gonna be like. You'll be burned. You'll be tormented with fire. You'll be punished with a sense of loss. In hell, you will no longer have your friends. You will never have your family or other loved ones with you. Think about that for a moment. You will no longer experience love, peace, comfort, and joy as you did at times on earth. You're going to be punished for all eternity in hell. Hell is eternal. When a soul enters hell, it is for eternity. Even in the first million years, you would no, you would be no nearer to the end as you were when you first entered hell. And that's frightening. That is frightening. In hell, there will be no rest. You'll be without rest in hell. In that first moment in hell, you'll have a sense of eternal guilt. Every soul that enters hell will know You'll have your consciousness, 
you'll be fully aware of your being and of your surroundings in the sense you'll know that you deserve hell as punishment because of your sins, because you do not rely upon Jesus. You do not rely upon the Savior to take your sins away. And that's my concern. Jesus loves you. This broadcast is about the love of God. It's about the love of God. But we must talk about something that Jesus spoke on all the time in the Gospels, and that's the subject of hell. I mean, who am I to somehow sanitize the Scriptures or mutilate the Scriptures by removing certain uneasy topics, subjects of, of the Word. It's not my place to do so. I must speak on the subject of hell. Hell is for eternity, and souls are entering eternity right now. And I don't want you going to hell. Just imagine that very first moment you're in hell. You'll know that you, that you deserve this place because of your sin. Because of your sin, but you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. In hell, there will be blackness of darkness forever. Blackness of darkness forever. Think about that for a moment, my friends. In God's hell, there'll be. You'll either be in one of the many different degrees of punishment in hell. In your very first moments in hell, you'll you'll feel a hopelessness. You'll be without hope. You'll be completely conscious of hell's torment. You'll be completely conscious of being punished by the wrath of God himself. You'll be constantly weeping. You'll be crying. You'll be gnashing your teeth. Constantly wailing for eternity. Crying for eternity without relief of from being burned forever and ever. Recently, I came across an excellent article by John Thomas, a Christian freelance art writer, who vividly describes hell in a timely article titled, That Hideous Doctrine. And I'm going to read it to you. And I'm hoping as I read this, you'll feel a great burden to reach one who's just a breath away from this place called hell. Hell has two other aspects rarely considered, which are both curious and frightening. On earth, we take for granted two physical properties that help us help keep us physically, mentally, emotionally stable. The first is light. The second is solid, fixed surfaces. Hell is a place of darkness. Imagine the person who has just entered hell, a neighbor, relative, co-worker, and friend. After a war of physical pain blasts him, he spends his first, his first moments wailing and gnashing his teeth. But after a season, he grows accustomed to the pain. Not that it becomes tolerable, but that his capacity for it has enlarged to comprehend it, yet not be consumed by it. Though he hurts, he's now able to think, and he instinctively looks about him. But as he looks, he sees only blackness. 
In his past life, he learned that if he looked long enough, a glow of light somewhere would yield definition to his surroundings. So he blinks and strains to focus his eyes, but his efforts yield only blackness. He turns and strains his eyes in another direction. He waits. He waits. He waits. He sees nothing but unyielding black ink. He clings to him, smothering and oppressing him. Realizing that the darkness is not going to give way, he nervously begins to feel for something solid to give his bearings. He reaches for a wall, or perhaps a rock, or perhaps a chair. He stretches his legs to feel the ground and touches nothing. Hell is a bottomless pit. However, the new occupant is slow to learn. In growing panic, he kicks his feet and waves his arms. He stretches and he lunges, but he finds nothing. After more feverish tries, he pauses from exhaustion, suspended in black. Suddenly, with a scream, he kicks, twists, and lunges until he is again too exhausted move. He hangs there, alone with his pain, unable to touch a solid object or see a solitary thing. He begins to weep. His sobs choke through the darkness. They become weak and they're lost in hell's war. As time passes, he begins to do what the rich man did in Luke chapter 16. He again starts to think. His first thoughts are of hope. You see, he still thinks as he did on earth, where he kept himself alive with hope. When things got bad, he always found a way out. If he felt pain, he took medicine. If he were hungry, he ate food. If he lost love, there was more love to be found. So he cast about in his mind for a plan to apply to the hope building in his chest. Of course he thinks. Jesus, the God of love, can get me out of this. He cries out with a surge. Jesus! 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 You are right. Help me. Get me out of this. Get me out of this, Jesus. He waits. He waits. He waits. And he waits in the blackness of the night, of the darkness. He cries out with a surge again, Jesus, Jesus, you are right. Help me. Get me out of this. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits. Breathing hard with desperation. The sound of his voice slips into the darkness and is lost. He tries again. I believe, Jesus. I believe now. Save me from this. Again, the darkness 
smothers his words. Our sinner is not unique. Everyone in hell believes. When he wearies of appeals, he does next what anyone would do, assess his situation and attempts to adapt. But then it hits him. This is forever. Jesus made it very clear. He used the same words for forever to describe both heaven and for hell. Forever, he thinks, and his mind labors through the blackness until he aches. Forever, he whispers in wonder. The idea of forever deepens. It widens and towers over him. The awful truth spreads before him like endless overlapping slabs. When I put in 10,000 centuries of time here, I will not have accomplished one thing. I will not have one second less to spend here. As the rich man pleaded for a drop, just a drop of water. So too our new occupant entertains a similar ambition. In life, he learned that even bad things could be tolerated if one could find temporary relief. Perhaps even hell, if one could rest from time to time, would be so tolerable. He learns, though, that the smoke of his torment goes up Forever and ever and ever. And he has no rest day and night. He has no rest day and night. No rest day, no rest night. Think of that for a moment, my friends. Thoughts of this happening to people we know, people like us, are too terrifying to to entertain for long. The idea of allowing someone to endure such torture for eternity violates the sensibilities of even even the most severe judge among us. We simply cannot bear it. So if you want to go to hell, you just simply reject Jesus. You just reject Jesus, and you will ensure that you will go to hell upon your death. But consider carefully the nature of God's hell before willingly rejecting Jesus. A noted American evangelist, Jonathan Edwards, from the 18th century, gave this stern warning regarding the everlasting nature of hell's torments. He writes, imagine yourself to be cast into a fiery oven or a great furnace where your pain would be much greater than that occasioned by accidentally touching a coal of fire as the heat is greater. Imagine also that your body was to lie there for a quarter of an hour, full of fire. And all the while, full of quick sense, what horror would you feel at the entrance of such a furnace? Mm. And how long would that quarter of an hour seem to you? And after you have endured it for one minute, how overbearing it would be to you to think that you had to endure the other 14? But what would be the effect 
on your soul if you knew you must lie there, enduring that torment to the full for 24 hours? And how much greater would you would would be the effect if you knew you must endure it for a whole year? And how vastly greater still if you knew you had to endure it for a thousand years? Oh, then, how would your heart sink if you knew that you would must bear it forever and ever? That there would be no end. That after millions and millions, and millions of ages, your torment would no be no nearer to an end, and that you would never, never should be delivered. But your torment in hell will be immensely greater than this illustration represents. My friends, yet knowing all this about the subject of God's hell, many still choose to reject God's offer of escape, and that's Jesus. Jesus, oh Jesus, just just sharing you these things regarding hell deeply pains my heart. I don't want you going to hell, and I it makes me just want to serve Jesus, and I need Jesus even now. I need you, Jesus. Call upon His holy name. But my friends, the simple means of securing your reservation to hell is to reject the only person who's able to save you from eternal hell, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you the scripture clearly warns God is just. God will repay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This is what happened when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. By not knowing God is, is the one sure way of ensuring you will spend eternity in hell, my friends. But I'm here to tell you God is merciful. God is gracious. He does not want anyone to go to hell. He does not want you to go to hell. He desires for all of us to be with him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed. In the name of God's one and only Son. As Jonathan Edwards so vividly puts it, he says, God has every right to be angry with those who are unthankful, who attribute God's wonderful universe to chance revolution. But it is the rejection of God's dear Son, Jesus Christ, that most kindles the fire of God's indignation. Woe unto him if you reject God's offer of forgiveness through the blood of Christ. For everyone who tramples the Son of God underfoot as worthless, as worthless. And how many people you could think of do that? As a myth or fantasy shall receive the full cup of God's wrath. The wrath of God burns against him. Their damnation does not slumber. The pit is prepared. The fire is made ready. The furnace is now hot Ready to receive them, the flames do now rage and glow. The glittering, the glittering sword is wet, and 
held over them, and the pit has opened its mouth under them. O sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in. It is God's great furnace of wrath that you are held over in the hand of that God whose wrath is provoked and incensed, incensed as much against you as against those many of the damned in hell. God is present in hell in his wrath. He is also present here and now, and he's desiring you to come to repentance. Because Jesus died and shed his blood, because he rose again, he's able to save you. Just call upon his holy name. Just say, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. I love you, Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And Jesus will save you from hell. I bless you, my friends, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.